0: Well, we are, uh, we are coming to the end of a message series we've been in for, um, for the last about month or so. We've decided to begin uh, 2023 by um, praying and fasting together. That we've been in this series called Teach Us to Pray. And it's just been so wonderful to see all the ways uh, that we have uh, just fostered and experienced that together. I had a, I had a professor once say that, that faith is not something that's challenged, it's something that's nurtured. I think sometimes we try to challenge people into faith, like you should be, and we put all those shoulds on each other. Or, you know, if you want that, you should do. But what we've been experiencing over the last month is that faith, especially a practice of, of something like prayer that's a part of our faith, that's nurtured. That is something that we do repeatedly over time that we develop as a culture in ourselves and in our community, amen? Well, in 1946, a man named Randy Gardner set the record for the longest amount of time without sleep. He uh, was a part of a sleep deprivation study, and at 17 years old, he went 11 days and 25 minutes without sleeping. And I love his stated goal. It's, it's, it's such a teenager. Um, <laughs> I wanted to prove that bad things didn't happen if you went without sleep. I thought if I can break that record and I don't, I can break that record and I don't think it would have a negative experience. And what's so interesting is initially that was true, and he kind of bragged about it, that in the days and weeks that followed, he got back on a regular sleeping schedule, everything seemed kind of normal, but over time, uh, he, he expressed that he was having insomnia and paranoia and anxiety, these long-term effects of that short-term study. And this is kind of representative of, of, uh, of I don't even know that I would call it a trend as much as uh, an interest, a fascination. Uh, for humanity, of how long can I go without the things that I need? I mean, we have the Guinness Book of Records. Uh, we have uh, actually a, a recording of all of these things that uh, that we need, but we try to do without. I'll give some examples. Food. We can typically typically go about two to three months without food. It's usually like sixty to seventy days that the average person could survive without food. The record: seventy four days without any food. A typical person can go about three to four days without water, uh, but the record is 18 days without water. We can typically go, the average person that's not conditioned at all, can typically go about four to six minutes without air. The record is 24 minutes by a well-trained professional. And what we, what we learn from, from these kind of records is that sometimes it's intentional. Like I'm going to break that record, like Randy, and maybe I'm gonna prove that I don't actually need sleep. But sometimes it's unintentional. Some of those, uh, like food and water, it's somebody that was in dire straits that did not have access to food or water, and they just so happened to survive and set a record. So there's intentionality and not, non-intentionality, and the same can be true of our spiritual life and our spiritual needs, Though whether it's intentional or unintentional, we can fall into the, that rut of, of asking the question, how long can I go without? We kind of test our limits, right? How long can I follow Jesus without being a part of a community? How long can I follow Jesus without serving people? How long can I follow Jesus without learning and growing and discipleship? Sometimes we even ask, how often do I really need to pray? Or if I could rephrase the question, how long can I go without praying? Well, I just want to say once again, welcome to Abundant Life Church. My name is David, and I'm one of the pastors here. And as we come to the end of this Teach Us to Pray uh, series, I just I, I want to know once again that we have been doing this thing for the last month. We haven't just been talking about prayer. We've been doing prayer. We've been practicing prayer, that we have spent a week of prayer and fasting together, going through uh, scriptures and kind of guided prayers together. We've gathered on a Tuesday morning and on Sunday nights to pray together, that this hasn't just been a teaching series. This has been something that we have been doing together because we are building a culture and a practice of prayer, not just in our own lives, but as a community. And I want to recognize that while we come to the end of this series, it's not the end of this practice. It's not the end of this nurturing of our faith. That as we continue to take steps forward, there's a reason we begin the year with this. It's so that it's a continued practice, it's a continued value for our community. So if you're following along in your own Bible, maybe you have a physical Bible or you're following along on an app, but if you want to read along with me, we're gonna be spending some time in First Thessalonians five today. That's first Thessalonians five. Now, in the days of the early church, where this letter would have been written, uh, in that ancient time, gods were tied to a time and a place. Kind of very much like you and me, that God had a specific place where they were, whether it was the Greek gods, Roman gods, whatever, when you went to a temple to worship, it isn't just because that was the place to worship, it was recognized that that's actually where your God lived. Right? And, and at the very least, that's the agreed upon place where your God would come to meet you because they spent some time over there. But when we come together, they're gonna come and meet us here. There was no idea of God being present everywhere. Uh, a lot of times it wasn't even this recognition that God was spirit, that God occupied space. And the same was true in ancient Israel. And I think that's something that we often overlook when we're looking through uh, the texts of the Old uh, Testament that when the Israelites went to the temple, they weren't just recognizing that this was some metaphorical house of God. It was a recognition that this is the literal house that God lives in. And if I wanna visit, I have to make an appointment, There's a specific time and place and way I have to come to this place if God is going to hear me, if God is going to meet with me, if I'm going to experience God. And we see that reflected in so many different narratives where somebody leaves the country of Israel and says, oh, I have to worship their gods because my God isn't here, (laughs) right? We see this reflected over and over and over again. And then Jesus comes along and like with so many things, changes the way people think about God. Well, he's known for statements like you've heard it said, but I say to you, and we have a situation like this in, in John chapter four, as Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And she asks him whether she should go worship at an ancient shrine on a mountain, or whether she should worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And both were historic places of worship for the, uh, for the Israelite people. And it had just been split over time. The mountain was actually uh, historically where the tabernacle was, where that old tent that God used to live in was up on the mountain. That's where it had been left. And then in the temple, you had the Ark of the Covenant, which was recognized as, as being the very presence of God. God's presence went where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so now we have this dilemma of where does God actually live? Where can I actually find God? And that's one of the tension points between the Samaritans and the Jews. As, we, as you read through, uh, through the Gospels, there's tons of tension between the Samaritan people and the people of Judah. And the people of Judah really, really, really pushed that the presence of God actually lives at the temple. You need to come there. And the Samaritans had a different idea. So when she's asking Jesus, "Do I go to the mountain or do I go to the temple?" she's really asking, Where's, "What's God's actual address? Because I need to get in touch with him. All right, that's, that's kind of the idea here. And Jesus' response is, "God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in, in the spirit and in truth." That, God, that Jesus kind of rejects the basis of the question. So God doesn't have an address. It's kind of like that you have heard it said that God has an address, but I'm saying to you, God is spirit. And as worshipers worship in spirit and truth, Jesus is ushering in a new way of understanding God where God is available to us, where people don't need to make an appointment. They don't need to go to some special house because that's where God lives, that God is everywhere. And through the spirit, everyone has access to God. And this is a new concept, not only to the Samaritans and the Jews, but also to the Greeks and to the Romans and to the people of Ethiopia. All the people that are in this narrative have an idea of God as being limited to their time and space. You have your gods over there, I have my gods over here, and they have their own jurisdiction. And Jesus is is presenting this new way. The God revealed in Jesus isn't tied to time and space. This God is available where you are. In fact, This God wants to spend time with you. This God wants to be near to you. It's the entire idea behind Jesus coming and becoming a human. This God wants to be near to you. So this brings us to our text as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. And so we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Pray without ceasing. That's where we're gonna focus in today. It's, it's, it's kind of excessive, isn't it? Like pray without ceasing. What if I need to eat? What if I need to? What if I have other stuff to do? Pray without ceasing—is that even possible? When we come to a phrase like this, it's—it's it's pretty typical of us to just skip over, and say, "Oh, that's a nice idea, but let's let's find something that I can actually do. That would be more helpful to me, right?" And, but today, instead of skipping over, I want to lean into this phrase a bit. And one of the ways that we can lean into a phrase, or we can really say that—that's meaningful—and I'm going to find what that means. Uh, one of the ways we can do that is to find that phrase in another text. And so we can do that in Romans chapter one, It's same author, this is the apostle Paul writing another letter for the, to the church in Rome. He writes this, for God whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his son is my witness that without ceasing, I remember you always in my prayers. So is Paul saying here that he's committed the rest of his life, every moment to praying for the Roman church? Of course not. He's still going to be writing other letters. He's going to be praying other prayers. He's going to be eating and sleeping and, and going about his normal routine. The word he's using here is uh, a dialeptos, a dialeptos, which, which means often. It means repeatedly. It's, it's similar to how we use the phrase all the time. If I were to tell you that I go to Starbucks all the time, I would hope that you would understand that I still go home sometimes, right? And that I still come in and use my office, like that's that's not just a deserted space. No, what I mean when I say I'm at Starbucks all the time is that it's important to me. That if you're wondering where I am, the chances are I'm at Starbucks. You should probably check there. Right, that's, where, that's what I'm meaning here. If, and, and the same is, is true here for Paul. In case anyone's wondering if Paul is praying for the Roman church, he's asserting, yeah, I pray for them all the time. Like, if, if you're wondering what I'm praying about, chances are they're, they're a part of that. They're included in my prayers. And so with this in mind, let's take another look at our text here. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Pray repeatedly. Pray often. Pray all the time. Order your days in a way that if people are wondering what you're up to, the chances are you're connecting with God because you do it all the time. This is the idea that we're, that we're getting at here. This is prayer that you take with you where you go. This is prayer that, that goes with you in every circumstance. It isn't tied to a time or to a place or even to an expression. It isn't only when I raise my hands, I'm praying, or only when I'm kneeling, I'm praying, that we are praying all the time. When we wake up, when we're at our desk at work, when we're on our break, when we're driving, it's a regular part of our lives. And you might be asking, isn't it important to have a time and a place for prayer? In fact, David, I'm pretty sure you said those exact words before. And I would say, yes, yes. It's so important to have a time and a space dedicated for prayer. In the very same way, it's very important to go on date nights with your spouse, right? To have that dedicated time and space. I'm focused on you. This is all I'm focused on. However, if I only spoke to my wife when we were at a candlelight dinner, our marriage would be in dire trouble, right? If, I, if, I, if we had something to talk about, but I said, okay, pause, we got to get to the Olive Garden. There's a, that's where we talk about this, right? That's a, that's a problem. No, we call, we text, we, we have different ways of talking, we connect at the end of the day, we update each other, and we go on dates, and we have dedicated time and space for each other. So absolutely have a time and a space set aside for your prayers, but don't let that be the only time that you pray. That if you're feeling, I need to connect with God, but I gotta get back to that chair in my living room at eight o'clock in the morning. Right, that's, that's not a healthy relationship, even though that is your regular time and space. Well, my wife Haley and I started dating uh, before I had a cell phone, Right? That was a totally different time. Uh, and it might be confusing if you're under 20 that that was a time that existed. But we used a form of communication that now seems very similar to smoke signals. It was America Online Instant Messenger, and that's what we had. And we didn't have laptops or tablets or anything like that. If, if we weren't in person and we wanted to communicate with each other, we either had to use a landline or I needed to have a full computer with a monitor, tower, mouse, keyboard, everything. And it needed to be plugged into the wall. <laughs> like there, there was a dedicated time and space that I had to be in. That's the only time I could meet with Haley if we weren't in person. And that was really difficult. There would be hours, sometimes days, that we went without talking to each other because our access was limited. But now we carry little mini computers in our pockets and we can call and text and meme and gif all we want all day. And it's wonderful. Like we love having constant access to each other. It's a a brand new thing. And I can only imagine this is kind of the experience that Jesus is bringing uh, to his disciples and his followers of there is access to God but we often forget that we have this constant access to God. We don't need an appointment. We don't need to go to a special building. We don't need someone holier than us to pray on our behalf. So what's keeping us from praying all the time? If we have all this access, what is keeping us from praying all the time? Well, I'd say the unceasing prayer is built on two things. It's built on access and relationship. See, uh, when we make a new friend, one of our first things that we, that we do, if we really wanna invest in that relationship is we get their contact information, right? Like, let, let's get your, your, your phone number, let's get your email, because I wanna be able to get in touch with you. The second step is actually using it, right? It's not just like, I want to get coffee with you soon. It's, <laughs> I'm actually gonna call you and make that happen. See, I have access to over 250 people on my phone, on my mini computer in my pocket. I have access, uh, unlimited access. I could call them day or night. I can call them when they're at work or when I'm at work, I can text, but I don't. There's a handful of people I talk to about about every day. There's some that I'm in regular contact with. Some people get like a text uh, once a year for their birthday, if I remember. And other people sit in my phone for years on end and never hear from me. Why? Because we have a different level of relationship, right? Like as much as I love Pastor Aaron, he's not going to get as many calls or texts as Haley is going to get because we have a different level of relationship. I get, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I wonder how many voicemails I have. I'm a millennial. I don't check my voicemails. Uh, but there's a different level of relationship there. We have constant access to God, but do we use it? Do we place a high value priority on that relationship? Or is God one of those contacts that's just a once a week check-in or a once a month I'm thinking of you or maybe a once a year, oh yeah, I meant to talk to God. Right? Sometimes just like that friend in our phone, we can mean to call all the time. But something shifts when we actually get in touch. And I realize it can be, it can be awkward <laughs> to make that first step. Think again of your longtime friend. I've been meaning to call them, but the longer it gets, the weirder it's going to be if I call. Right? The same is it's true, but we don't quite know how to get started. But we have to realize that our, our, our conversations with God have different expressions, just like our conversations with other people. Because sometimes it's a quick check-in during the day. Sometimes it's, here's where I'm at, where are you at, Let, let's let's connect. Sometimes it's a longer conversation. We have some catching up to do. There's some things going on. Sometimes it's just listening for a while and seeing what God might have to say. There's different expressions at different times for different circumstances. There's a, a quote that we've been coming back to throughout this series from A.W. Tozer, and I wanna kind of expand it and read kind of the longer uh, couple of sentences here. Um, it says, he waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long, in vain. See, the thing about God is, is God doesn't intrude. God invites. And when Jesus invited disciples, he said, Come, follow me. It wasn't demanding or domineering. It wasn't you need to in order to. It was, Come. Come follow me. Come. Express because God has given us access. God wants relationship with us. And if it helps to know that God is waiting for us to pick up the phone sometimes, that God wants us to be a reciprocal relationship where we are praying all the time. Mary Magdalene was among Jesus's closest followers. Her name comes up regularly in the gospels, constantly among the disciples. And I want to pick out just a few pieces of, of, of the gospels, a part of this narrative to kind of trace where we can find Mary in some different places. The first is in Luke chapter 8, and it's right towards the beginning of Jesus's ministry. It says this, "'Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases.' Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of uh, Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Then we skip forward in the narrative. In Matthew 27, we find Mary Magdalene among the witnesses of Jesus's crucifixion and death. It says, And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him, were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And then finally in Matthew 28, now we find Mary uh, after the crucifixion, but before witnessing the resurrection. It says, early on a Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb." See church, Mary was with Jesus all the time. That once Mary had access to Jesus, she took full advantage. I'm gonna be with Jesus all the time. In fact, in the recordings that we have, Mary is the only follower of Jesus that stays with him throughout his life, through his death and through his resurrection. She took full advantage. She was there all the time. She didn't want to miss a thing. And as a result, she was among the first to witness the resurrection. She was there because she was always there, all the time. And Jesus made himself available to everyone. Some ignored him. Some kind of stood at a distance, kind of seeing what was going on, but not really buying in. Some followed for a while and walked away, and maybe came back. But some, like Mary like the other disciples, took full advantage. They don't, I don't know how much time I'm gonna have with this Jesus, but every moment I have, I'm there. Took every opportunity to get closer and closer to Jesus. Same is true today. God has made himself available to each of us. And some of us will ignore that. Some of us will stand at a distance and not quite buy in. Some, like Mary, We'll take full advantage of this access. We'll take that contact information God's given us and actually use it because it's entirely possible for us to connect with God all the time, repeatedly and often. So back to our first question, how long can I go without praying? It's the wrong question. It's a question about limits instead of health saying, how, how little can I do and get by? But we don't wake up in the morning on most days and say, I wonder how long I could go without water today. I wonder how, how long I could get by without eating. Right? Because we recognize our needs and we structure our days and we create rhythms and routines to make sure that we have a lunch break, that we bring a water bottle with us, that we meet those needs on a regular basis. The same is true with relationships. If we want to grow a relationship, we would never say, I wonder how long I could go without talking to them. No, because we want to invest in that relationship. We want to grow in that relationship. We want to look for opportunities to grow together, to communicate with one another. So the question is, are you looking for opportunities to connect with God? To actually pick up that phone, to use that contact information, to, to take advantage of that access like Mary did. I want to remember what Pastor Gareth spoke about at the very beginning of the series. When it comes to prayer, keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it going. Sometimes we, we think that there's some magic words that we can say so God will actually hear us. Right, if I just get the words right. Sometimes we, we paint over what's actually going on and we just kind of say the prayers we're suppo- we know we're supposed to pray. But God doesn't need us to be complex. He doesn't need us to speak as anybody else. When we're praying all the time, God has become a part of our regular day and he wants to be a part of our regular day. So let's check in throughout the day. It can be as simple as, God, I'm struggling. Please help. And that's a prayer. That is a real, honest, simple prayer. Can you take moments and just recognize that God is present with you? Listen for what God might have to say or might not have to say right now, but just recognize that God is not tied to time and space. God is with me right now. And as we do this, as we, as we pray all the time, as we continue to, to talk and recognize that God is with us, we will recognize more and more in difficult circumstances and great circumstances that God is with us all the time.